I'm Marisol. And I'm Adam. Welcome to Reading Aloud, a podcast where Adam and I get curious about meaningful and not so meaningful topics. Meanwhile, giving you insight into what we talk about, why we talk about it, and how we talk about it. Be on the lookout for a new release of this podcast every other Thursday. We're having a <laughs> clear our throat off. And then I just got super upset because you started fidgeting. I was putting it away. I was putting it away. On the podcast. Adam has a bad habit when we're trying to do something serious of making a lot of noise. No, it is not that. I fidget with my hands or I'll pick at something because it helps focus my attention. What are we doing? A lot of people do that. That's why people doodle. I know, but I have noise sensitivity and I can't think. Well, this just causes conflict in our relationship. Obviously. <laughs> so who's right? I don't think it, it. It's not about being right. Mine. You're it's socially, not about being right. You're that's socially unacceptable. What do you mean? It's socially it's socially unacceptable for that not to, to be right. To fidget and to, to make fidget. noise and to click pens. Yeah. Like, yeah. have you ever sat in a meeting? Like that person is the like socially out of touch one. It doesn't bother me. I know, but that person is the socially out of touch one. Well, I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> so what do you want to talk about today? Um, so I have a question for you. What's that? Do you like Christmas? What are your thoughts on Christmas? I like Christmas. Tell me your thoughts on Christmas. Um, Christmas for me was always, you know, growing up, it was always about the traditions. I don't know if I realized that when I was a kid, but looking back, it was very much about the traditions and doing the same things every single year. And I was super excited about doing that. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things I love about going to your house. So since I've met you, other than that very, very, very first year when we hadn't known each other very long, um, we've I've done Christmas at your house every year. Yeah. And I love it that way. Yeah. Because yeah. it is kind of like... Like, so your dad cuts down a Christmas tree from the mm -hmm. forest and, you know, we, we decorate it together. and listen to the same records, yeah. you know, um, you know, in my house, we listen to the same music too. And it's really, really sweet. But obviously with our nieces on your side, it's just, and nephew now, yeah. we, it really feels, but I mean, there's something very all American about your Christmas. Well, I think, I mean, you said it is that is that since that time now with the nieces and nephew it has transitioned to kind of the kids and the and the family time but there is something very homey about uh my house you know it's it's in the woods it's got a you know wood, wood stove a wood stove that's heating the house um yeah it's just i think the the ambiance in there is it kind of it fits christmas well but what are your thoughts on christmas my thoughts on Christmas. It's an interesting question. What are my thoughts on Christmas? Well, you know, it's a holiday, a very important holiday. <laughs> it is a holiday. It's a holiday. I think part of it is that it is a very quiet, contemplative holiday. That is what it is. Like, Christmas is, you know, crazy, and people imagine, like, the crazy hustle and bustle. But really, when it comes down to it, Christmas for me is sitting up at 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, when it's really quiet, staring at the Christmas tree on New Year's Eve, or on Christmas Eve, and it just being silent um, in the house. And the lights in the Christmas tree are on, 
and it's just peaceful I wonder, and calm and I, quiet. I wonder if everybody has that kind of experience, because that's how I grew up. In fact, Christmas in my house was somewhat somber in a way. I mean, yeah. we played the Christmas tunes, um, or my grandpa would play the piano, and we just, these like Lutheran dirges, very, very, it was really dark. And we did, we sat in contemplation. And I think when I was younger, it, I would just kind of, it would lull me to sleep. And then as I got older, like my teens into my early 20s, I think I probably was somewhat bothered by how somber it was. Yeah. But now that I look back, it's, and now the more I understand really this season that, you know, we push kind of the holiday and the lights and the party and the going out, but this is a quiet time of nature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really suits the flow of nature to be in that quiet, contemplative space. I mean, this darkest night of the year, on the 21st, usually around, on solstice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what we really what we're talking about today is anger. Yeah. Yeah. You threw me for a loop with that Christmas question. I wasn't ready for it. Uh, well, I regularly don't tell you what we're going to talk about <laughs> because I think that the organic nature of it. I mean, you know, these these podcasts started because we would record our conversation since the very I mean, it was three months after we met and we drove to um, your granny's funeral, your last grandparents' funeral, and we had these amazing conversations from Milwaukee back on January 1st, and you re- you pushed record. And ever since then, we, well, for one, we have great conversations on road trips, but we've been recording our conversations ever since. It's a really special thing, and the conversations are deep. I don't know if people know this, but we don't really plan these they no. really are just conversations. No, we sit down in our bedroom and start to have a conversation. And usually you have a good question. Burning like, question. Yeah. yeah. So we're talking about anger. And, you know, we could try to, like, be savvy and bridge it from Christmas and family and anger and all that. And I'm sure that there's something in there about that. But let's just kind of riff on anger for a little bit. Because yeah. we, every morning, um, almost every morning, we do reading. And we've been reading a lot of Thich Nhat Hanh lately, um, How to Love book and how to fight which are just little one-page excerpts and then we've been reading living buddha living christ and a lot of what Thich Nhat Hanh talks about is acknowledging your suffering acknowledging the suffering in others and essentially sidestepping anger and so we had a conversation the other day that i thought was interesting around so what's the point of anger then because there's usefulness to anger it is it is an emotion that we have mm-hmm. and there is usefulness to it yet you come to this relationship with very little access to anger Mm-hmm. Um, you have frustration, disappointment, maybe, you know, maybe you can share what the other things are. Um, but I can get angry, like angry. Mm-hmm. And I have felt, you know, and I think we've mended this in a lot of ways, but initially I had felt that I was being judged for my anger and being called mean or being considered mean by you. And, I, you know, I think there was a lot of that that needed to be put into check because, yeah, I think I needed to be put into check around that. But then after a while, I started to push back and I was like, so then what is the point of this? You know, like, what is it? Because a lot of times I get angry because I feel that you struggle to listen to me. Mm -hmm. And so anger comes as like a final cry of like, pay attention. 
this is important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was there's a lot there for me. Um, you gonna start to with reflect Christmas? on, <laughs> and so my thoughts on Christmas are <laughs> now. <laughs> I I think one one of the first things that kind of came up while I was listening to you was you were asking what is the place for anger, and the the thing that immediately popped into my head was thinking about stress because. There is a place for stress in our lives, and I want to get back to anger. I do not want to get off on stress, but like there is a place for stress and urgency in our lives, right? Like that that helps us motivate and do tasks and do things that in a productive way. And oh, I have deadline right. essentially. Yeah, little um, adrenaline. Helps, little adrenaline yeah. helps, but too much stress can be a really unhealthy thing to your body. And I I guess that just came up to me in relation to anger, a little bit of emotion in that may come across as anger is not necessarily a bad thing particularly when it is in a way of needing to communicate clearly a point that cuts through all of the bullshit mm-hmm. right there can be a communication there but what is your ultimate goal is your ultimate goal to hurt the other person is your ultimate goal to make the other person feel bad or is your ultimate goal to communicate okay, something? Okay, so that that's well. very helpful. Do you think my goal is to make you feel bad? No, I don't think that your goal is to make me feel bad. I think that sometimes, and I play a whole role in this, and this is clearly opting out, but I think sometimes you don't necessarily know how to communicate it in a way that is forceful but is also loving. So you know that the way that I feel about this is that when I first met you, I was amazed at, I was in awe of you. And I was so such in awe of you that I truly never could, I, I could truly never see myself getting angry with you. And I don't say that naively. I say that meaning I had come out of relationships that I felt like we we were not operating from a place of true respect for one another. And when I met you, I had such respect and regard for you. I was just like, you know, you can screw up, but like we will talk this through. And I trusted you to that we would just talk this through. And the anger over time arose because I felt like there were just some things that you would agree to or agree with me about and then not follow through with. So, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't feel like giving examples, but basically, if that makes sense, there were just things that were unsettled and I was unsettled with. Yeah. And you were like, I totally agree. This needs to change. And then you wouldn't or something. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's a great conversation about change because I'm, I'm recognizing I'm hesitating as I say it because I don't really want to give the impression that I want you to be different. But, you know, we both have things we need to work on. And short of it is that I feel like I actively work on those things. And sometimes I feel like you ignore those things. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that there's there's a lot of truth in that. I, I think, and I hear that, I hear that. I guess what I feel is like the longer you're with somebody, 
the more like you're just you're not always moving at the same rate as you were at that moment that you kind of just met oh. and so where that respect still exists i think you're talking about time frame and urgency with things and okay. rates of change so i feel like we're completely off topic i gave that as an example and i shouldn't have because this isn't at all what i'm talking about Got it. i was i was just saying i haven't always been like somebody who gets angry so but that has thrown you in a completely different direction and you're talking about weird shit <laughs> so i what i'm saying is is that the it doesn't matter when the anger started. I'm saying there's usefulness to it. Like yeah. I can feel it a little bit in me now, for example, right. because you're, you've taken the train off the tracks. You don't understand me and I am pulling us back on. And now you are fully at attention because I am getting firm in my voice. Uh -huh. And I think that part of it is that, and I don't want to talk about this because, again, this is not the point of the conversation, but part of it is that you have misinterpreted so much of my directness, my tone, etc., as anger when it isn't and taken it personal. But what I want to talk about right now is the usefulness of anger. Yes. Yeah, and I think that that's where I had kind of started from in terms of it's a, it's a communication tool. Right? It's a communication tool. It's a way, in my opinion, I mean, there's many different levels of anger, right? There, there are so many different levels. And I guess when I associate it with it in this conversation, I'm talking about it in the context of, you know, anger between a couple or somebody that you have a close relationship with, tying it to the holidays, like a family member that you may get angry at. I get angry with my family members because they act a certain way and I just can't stand it anymore. And it's just like, why are you doing that still? And I experience anger um, in that moment. And there's a lot of that anger that isn't actually useful because the person that it's impacting the most negatively is usually me, is usually myself. Like, if I'm angry with somebody... Very, very rarely, if ever, do I walk away from that situa situation feeling good. And are you talking about outward anger? I'm talking about outward anger. Yes, I'm talking about outward anger. I'm also talking about inward anger. Well, like, I'm not talking about inward anger. Yeah, well, I'm definitely talking about outward anger as as well. Like, if I communicate to somebody in in an aggressive, angry tone, or I'm angry with them... And it's definitely, if it's done in a way, as I was mentioning earlier, around not in a way of firmness but love behind it and, you know, anger as a tool of, I am frustrated, I am going to communicate that, but I also want you to know that... But who's to say that my... I mean, for me, getting frustrated or angry is about trying to reset and restart the the point of understanding like let's get back to a place of understanding or let's write this because it's not right right now like we're in a we're in a tizzy right so let's write the ship totally and yeah. i think that's a good healthy use of anger i think that's good and fine to do it like that i think there's intention behind it though because sometimes if somebody and i've done this too if somebody you feel is not hearing you or is, has spun the ship off course, right? 
you want to get them back off, so you may use anger and firmness to get the ship back in the starting place, right? But in that moment, do you need to tell them that they got the ship off? So that's, that's like, what do, I'm... Do you need to point out and call them out for getting the ship off? Or do you need to be like, hey, we are not in the right place right now. Okay, Let's so this, get is, it back. So this is getting to a deeper point. Yeah. The anger is in you. And one of the products of anger is that it is not necessarily the most controllable emotion. Well, actually, none of them are really that controllable. Have you ever seen somebody try to hide a smile? It's very hard to control right, right. or to, to choke back tears. Like emotions are not necessarily controllable. Very, very much so. So, but anger is one of those ones that gets talked about negatively, that is not as necessarily uh, an adored emotion. And then you read Thich Nhat Hanh and you're thinking, there's no place for it at all. And then I think, well, what frick's it doing there? Well, I, I think that you can experience anger, you can experience that frustration in the communication. But when you start directing it and at, at a person in a way that takes away their standing in that situation or punishes them in a way that is making I don't believe that's a good thing for you or for the so other how... person and so what Thich Nhat Hanh is saying is that like that anger is a part of it but you're doing it with mindfulness mindfulness is the whole he's not part. saying that he's saying he's saying there's no place for it also let me just say I have mood changing nail polish on and when I was under the lamp getting it set it was yellow because of the heat and it's yellow right now because you got some heat going I suppose <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what Thich Nhat Hanh is saying. I don't think he... I I mean, I think if you were to ask him, he would say, yes, every part of you is wonderful and beautiful and true. But, like, I think he's saying there is no place for anger. Yeah, I, I, I disagree. That's I, what I, I fully disagree. I, I, think, I think there is no place for anger in a way that causes suffering, oh, causes right. unnecessary suffering to people. And that's the key. It's, it's not like... And you say, what's the place of anger? It's, it's like stress. Again, I come back to that. You can use positive stress to help you be productive. But then all of a sudden, when too much stress, it, other people around you don't feel good, you don't feel good. And I think it's the same way with anger. You can use an anger emotion. And when it comes out, people might not even call it anger. Oh, that wasn't anger. But it, you're harnessing that that power of that emotion, just like you would sadness but or joy. But I don't joy. think I know how to do that. So I don't have any, like, I don't, wouldn't, what, how, do you do that? I felt like you stuffed your anger. I felt like you didn't even have anger. Well, I think what, I think that I do have an issue with stuffing my anger. But I also think that sometimes... I have I have very much learned if I feel angry or I feel frustrated the first thing that I can do is breathe. You and, that's the thing is you're trying to get rid of it and you're metabolizing it you typically metabolize it into love. No, like you're you're never going with it. You're always trying to transform it. And I feel and I feel and and there is a way that I could be more in touch with it but like oftentimes when I work through I am in a much better place and I'm a much I feel like if I let let my frustration out every, every time that I experienced it I would not be nearly as joyous of a happier per, 
or a happy person. I know this. So uh, you are joyous. You are physically healthy. You are strong. Like you kind of have qualities that I don't always embody. And so I agree with you that you are an amazing person and probably in large part a product of this stuff. But I also think that when I get angry, you have gotten scared and we you know, this is, this is much less true now, but we don't come to resolve very quickly because my anger shuts you down. Yeah, that's and then, true. And my anger doesn't feel scary to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What shuts me down more than the anger, let me see how to say this, because first off, let me say that I agree that because I have learned to redirect and control, in a way, my frustration, anger through breath and mindfulness and different practices, that that has caused two negative things that I'm still dealing with. One negative thing is, occasionally, because I don't express it, I will build up resentment. Oh, yeah. And so, and so that is... That is a negative aspect of it, and I'm, I'm working on that. The second thing is, I am not as skilled in meeting you where you're at when you respond to me in anger. And that is the second thing that you're pointing out right here. Those are the two things that me being able... Now, on a bigger picture, and let me kind of work, work my way through all this here. On a bigger picture, I'm okay with that in a way. Not that... Not that I don't, I don't want to have those quality, those negative aspects of dealing with anger. But to me, those are things, those are next steps I'm working on. And I am joyous in the fact that I know how to like handle and like breathe through feelings of, of anger, frustration. And as I said, I feel like it makes my life more um, joyful and, and happy. Why does everybody want a joyful life? Why would you not? All I'm saying is it's not that I don't want a joyful life. It's that I want a regular life with equal parts access to all my emotions. I don't know why I feel that. Like, for example, somebody who recently lost their dog was talking. um, Somebody was commenting to this person who recently lost their dog what a great example they were for how to access grief because the person who lost their dog was a teacher and was just honestly in their process of grief because the dog had passed away just a couple days before class. So they were in grief and they just allowed themselves to be in grief throughout the day and didn't cancel class and just was like, it was like they were with this experience and that person said, you're such a great example for grief. That person is in their 30s and and was saying like that they were learning how to have an experience of grief. And I think that our culture does not allow sadness and does not allow anger. And nobody talks about it. And everybody's like, just be happy. It's going to be okay. Don't worry I, about I it. I hear that, but... but just but, smile. Yeah, but I don't think that that's what I'm saying. I, I, 
I, I hear that, and I agree with you. I, I do think that... I'm we, not saying you're saying that. All I'm saying is that in this life, people yeah. are constantly trying to experience joy. And maybe it's because they're never really that joyous. But I think if we had more access to anger and grief and sadness and stuff, we would actually have more access to joy because we wouldn't be searching for it all the time underneath all of our built-up other emotions that haven't ever been processed out. I completely agree. I also think that there is a baseline from which we operate. And I do think generally in our society, yes, we we have trouble. We suppress anger. We suppress sadness. We suppress grief. We are also addicted to kind of trauma and traumatic things. You know, that's the stuff that we pay attention to. And so I think some of this turning towards joyfulness is a way in which that is your starting place, that is your baseline. That is where you're launching off from. Again, that story of grief, the reason that they had, one of, as I heard it, I felt like one of the reasons that they were able to experience that grief was because they had so much love for the dog. That love was the foundation of that grief. Grief was not the foundation of grief. Love was the foundation of grief. Love was the foundation of the of the so, of the acts of, of anger. You're angry with me and you're communicating that because you love me so much. You know, and there's there's a difference. And that's probably a misstep on me misinterpreting your anger because it's coming out of love. It's coming out of a desire for our relationship to flourish, and so therefore, you are expressing that emotion. And so, yes, I agree with you, we should be experiencing all these emotions on a deeper level. And also, I agree that there's a foundation of love that they all launch off from. Yeah, I'm not walking around angry at strangers. In fact, I'm, I see their missteps and mistakes, and they treat me crummy sometimes, and I, yeah, I mean, I don't get angry with that. I, I actually used to. I used to be kind of, I would bite back. Yeah. Used it as a tool for power or control over or something. Right. I mean, my anger is often, I mean, we haven't even mentioned this, and we obviously need to close out this podcast, but my anger is very much a product of my fear, you know, also when I get scared, nervous, scared, anxious, I will be more likely to be angry because I'll want to control something. But yeah. I guess I just, I mean, it almost negates the whole conversation because I felt like Thich Nhat Hanh was telling us there is no space for anger, anger that causes suffering. Well, I think that that's what we just determined, you, you know, um, you said that I don't walk around just angry at people. And that is, I think that that's, yes, that's, there is no place for that, right? And and maybe even not about us, but people who are angry at different states of the world. Mm-hmm. And I, it is tough when you can't do something about it, but anger as, you know, I don't know. It's like, yeah, I, I've always considered it fire, and fire burns and creates energy. So it's you know an energizer, a mobilizer. Yeah, I mean the what's the what's the the Pixar movie, um, the one about emotions. Yeah, I forgot the name. Inside Out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
that is, I mean, that's the perfect, you know, anger is one of the emotions there. And he's a little fireman. And at certain points in the movie, the little girl needs her anger emotion to protect her. So, but then what was the point of this podcast if it's not, because I, because now you're t- convincing me that anger is necessary and I was starting off with that. But what was my central point about anger? Love. Exactly. Right, but I didn't ever disagree with you. I was even saying at one point, like, that's the whole point, is that I want the relationship right-sized. I want it to be back in harmony. I want to come back to our center. I think, yes, and, and, and I think that the vast majority of the time, your anger, as we're calling it, comes from there. I also think that you have... Instead of use the anger to redirect as a couple, you will place blame on me, even if it is my fault. And that may, that isn't necessarily, that is coming out of wanting me to know the blame. Not trusting that I would, like, understand that, you know, and there is... There's suffering that is born from that. I'm not trying to get myself out of trouble. No, no, no. Part of of the anger is that I will say, hey, something happened, and you will immediately defend yourself and be like, I don't know anything about it, and then I will get angry. I don't get angry right away. I get angry because of something like that, you know. Yes, I will get defensive. Around around topics, and I will respond defensively, kind of right away. Heck, it's the it's the picture on our podcast. It's me saying, "Am I getting defensive again?" That is definitely something that occurs. I also think that sometimes you are quick to think that either I'm getting defensive or that I am to blame in a situation, and there's a propensity for you to like veer towards that. It's not always bad, but it's there. Mm-hmm. And I know what you're saying. I, I don't know what you're saying because I think it's a blind spot of mine, but I know what that you are right. I just really need you and the rest of the world to know that I am not quick to anger. I, I think I think what you you're quick to an explanation sometimes. And that explanation typically involves you not seeing your part in it. Does that make sense? Yes, but what's this got to do with Tignahan? <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a speediness to when I think if you just relax and then hurt it, that blind spot wouldn't necessarily be there always. Mm-hmm. There's a fast paceness that you know of explaining like, oh well, that's wrong. It must be that. Then that now this. I think I'm a little lost, but I under I I'm open to hearing more. Yeah. Yes. So I am open. Do you want to explain more right now? No, and I don't have a clear, poignant, like I haven't actually thought this is a little bit flowy from me. And so I think overall what I would say. I want to say that I want to learn more about this because I, like I have said, I have been through many phases of this anger. One, not having much then feeling like I have too much with you, then being like, no, this is not, I'm not going to shut this emotion down completely and having a little bit of a backlash and a reclamation of my anger as fire and motivator. And now I'm in this place where, okay, now I understand the usefulness of it. I I want to know if there's something else that I can do different. So I want to learn that. I feel like I'm getting more balance with it, but I just feel like, 
the conversation was about anger in general. Yeah, well, I think we did agree, just wrapping this up, I think we did agree that anger has a place in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Healthy anger. Anger that is built off the foundation of love. Mm-hmm. See, healthy anger sounds like joy anger. <sighs> well, this is where we differ then, because this is what I'm... This is. I I think mindfulness and anger directed towards towards resetting or communicating something very clearly but not blaming and making the other person suffer and there's a difference in that you know like just like somebody could have be happy but they're so happy that they're out of touch with reality I don't know I'm coming up with this example off the top of my head but there's a happiness that's grounded to where it's aware of its surroundings and still at the same time happy. I mean, it's like all these emotions, it's not black or white. Yeah, I guess you know, the thing about anger, together. the anger, thing about anger is that it doesn't feel like I want to control it. I don't want to make anger look pretty. It's messy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to like have to be thinking about the angry thing so that I make sure not to hurt anybody or I make sure not to like sound too upset or sound too angry. Like I just want it to be messy, fiery, whatever. But what is the point of that then? Like what? It it blows off steam. It blows off steam. And so that's, but you don't feel like that steam can be blown off any other way. Well, I, I mean, I've thought about it. I could like punch a pillow, but it's not the same. Uh huh. And do you feel better after you blow off that steam? I feel sometimes some regret and some guilt, but yeah, I mean, there's a huge, a huge discharge in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just so different. So, so different mm-hmm. um, than, than kind of. How I, feel. I mean, I, I, I agree angry, with you. I agree with you. If it I get angry, I feel horrible after. Uh, th- that, of course, happens to me too. Sometimes I think I think that's what I think that's what we need to pay attention. I need to pay more attention to is what is it actually like afterward, and would I be like if I took one thing? I think is it's so anger comes up and it's so immediate that. It feels good to get it off my chest in that moment. But if I pause, it has a tendency to relax some. And I think that that's a pretty big indicator of how anger really works. And that it is kind of an immediate gratification kind of thing. But that if I let it blow off a little, if I give it some time, but sometimes it boils more and sometimes, yeah, sometimes it boils more and sometimes it doesn't go away. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, we have a lot to work on, both of us, on this topic, and I appreciated, you know, us both being vulnerable here and, and voicing the things, you know, I need to not build up that, uh, suppress that anger so much that it builds up resentment, and that I forget how to deal with your emotion, um, and, you know, you're needing to kind mm-hmm. of like regulate your emotion to create a healthy balance with it. Mm-hmm. But we both agree that there is like, there is place for it in a way of clear communication. Like that's what mm-hmm. I'm hearing. And, you know, that's what works for us. Mm-hmm. And it can be a really sticky thing because anger is used in a lot of really unhealthy ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to say that anger is okay, it almost it makes me almost weird saying that. But I think it is such insight from you mm-hmm. to say that 
these emotions of grief and anger and sadness that we are constantly, seemingly, society is seemingly battling. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't need to be like that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be like that. They should, those emotions should be allowed to expose themselves. And that's the only way that we're going to create a healthy relationship mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that also you're, thank you for saying all that. And I think that also the fact that you share that it builds up resentment in you, I think that that's a good indicator of where like your growth is and that you're probably mostly right. And that's, that's still your blind spot. And when you get through that, then you can teach me exactly how to do it. All right, great. Well, I'll look forward to that. All right. All right, bye, Bye. y'all. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in and listening as we discuss what is meaningful and curious to us. And don't forget to rate, review, and share with your friends. Bye. Bye.